Good morning, San Diego. Welcome back to another serving of Nerdia, your nerd media destination. Nick here. I'll be your host today. I'm joined by Enzo. Hey, guys. Max. Hey, guys. And Andre. What's up, guys? If you still don't know, we're four friends who get together to nerd out over the latest games, media, pop culture, and events. And we want to bring you into our world. Today, we're going to start pretty focused in on Aquaman 2. Uh, heavy spoilers ahead. Uh, if you don't want the movie spoiled for you, please go watch it first. Come back and listen afterwards. We all got a chance to see Aquaman 2, The Lost Kingdom, together. Uh, about a Speak week. for yourselves because you guys decided to ditch me while I was out on vacation. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, don't don't so... let him fool you. We did not ditch him. He chose to go on vacation. And he didn't bring us with him. How rude. <laughs> <laughs> you waited until I said I was going on vacation to say, hey, guys, we should go see Aquaman 2. <laughs> Yeah, maybe done purposely, but it's okay. Ooh, that's that's a dig. But you know what they say, the show must go on. We, we had to go see it. So unfortunately, Andre did not see the movie, but he prepped for this. You saw Aquaman 1, correct? Yeah. Who haven't seen Aquaman 1? Come on. I mean, up until like a week ago, me. <laughs> but I saw Aquaman 1. I like it. Yeah, well, anyway, we want to give you guys our review of the movie, what we think about it. You know, if you should go see it, you know, it's it's probably still in theaters right now if you're listening to this when this episode drops, but not for much longer. So, you know, you may want to go see it. We may sway you or, or vindicate your choice to pass up on it. You know, who knows? Then we're going to widen our lens out a little bit and let you know how we feel about the broader DCEU now that it has officially come to an end. Uh, this was the last movie. And we won't be getting anything in the new DCU until 2025. And then we'll finish up with a few brief thoughts on James Gunn taking over as head of uh, DCU. He'll be the Kevin Feige of their universe. How uh, how we think it'll go under his supervision. All right, so I want to start with the review of the actual movie. You know, Enzo, Max, and I saw it together. That was really fun, first of all. We hadn't had a nerd day in a while. What'd you guys think? Well, the popcorn was great, but... <laughs> All jokes aside, it was nice to get together with everyone. Yeah, we try to get together at least, you know, once a month, every other month if possible. So getting together was great. And um, the movie, though, uh, it, it was a good movie. There were definitely some some things that were good about it. There were some other things that I think fell short. But yeah, yeah. overall review, I think it was OK. As someone who's not a DC fan and being one of the only movies I've seen within the DCEU, I was definitely let down, especially after watching the first Aquaman. I actually really enjoyed it, the first Aquaman movie, and had kind of high hopes for this one. But this one, yeah, definitely had its flaws for sure. I think I probably have the nicest things to say about the movie. But going on on high hopes, I think Warner Brothers had really high hopes for this one as well. Aquaman 1 grossed $1.1 billion worldwide. It was the oh, most wow. successful of the movies in the franchise. I was going to say, yeah, it was the highest grossing film, right? Yeah. So they were, they were really hoping for a home run here, or at least a double, after all of the strikeouts they've had with Blue Beetle, The Flash, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Black Adam. They all, you know, very much underwhelmed. I didn't realize it grossed that much. I mean, those are big numbers. Overall, Nick, since you had some, some positive things, maybe lead with that. Yeah, maybe we start there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for, for me, I would say that if you take out all of the outside noise, and you ignore that it's the end of the universe, if you ignore all of the things going on, we'll talk about in a few seconds, about Amber Heard, the trial with Johnny Depp, if you ignore all that stuff and you just go into it and you want to enjoy a movie, I thought it was pretty entertaining. 
you know, definitely some downs, some lows, some things I would, you know, have preferred to have seen differently, uh, done differently. But I think it was an enjoyable watch if you go in with an open mind. So that's something coming in as a diehard MCU fan that I'm noticing with DC is they do a really good job with their action. So I will agree with you there. Like it's an action packed movie and it does keep your attention because of all the action going on. Yeah, there's one particular scene that I do want to talk about regards to action. But, you know, let's let's quickly give the synopsis of the movie. So essentially, we've got Jason Momoa as Aquaman. He's got a kid now uh, with Amber Heard, Queen Mira. And, you know, it's it's his new life where he's the king of Atlantis, but he's still, you know, he's living like a dual life, right? He's, you know, he's living on the surface world. And how do you deal with that? And trying to be a new dad at the same time, which I definitely resonate with him as a new dad. <laughs> I get, is, get all the feels. <laughs> was that your favorite part of the movie? <laughs> it, it was. And not to get ahead of myself, but there was definitely a part where the kid gets threatened. And I got so enraged that this kid was threatened by something. I was like, not my kid. Like, I was very <laughs> angry for him and felt that rage. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of funny. We'll, we'll have to call up director James Wan and uh, tell him that that really resonated with you. <laughs> It did. <laughs> then we cut, you know, to Black Manta, who was a villain. I don't know if he was the main villain of Aquaman one. Would you say? Yeah, um, he was. He was. No, I, th- I feel like he I was mean, kind I of a side the, villain. The, I guess the brother was, but like I think he was rising to be like, I, Aquaman one. There was like two main villains, right? I think it was yeah. his half brother and then Black Manta. Yeah, I think this one was all about Black Manta. Now, I'm curious, did they actually, because I liked him a lot in Aquaman 1, did his character kind of stay true to that and just become more evil, or did they kind of over, like, under? It, it did and it didn't. So I actually really like that they didn't decide to, like, give him a redeeming story arc. You know, sometimes the villains are the villains. That's just how it is. Yeah. And I think they leaned into that heavily, and his character was much better for that. I agree. I think they did a really good job with expanding Black Manta's story, like his story arc to next point and making him more evil, I thought was really cool. But in the first movie, I definitely say the main villain is his brother, only because Black Manta is like working for his brother in the first movie. Yeah. And then yeah, like Ocean halfway Master. through the movie, Black Manta is like out of the picture. But I was glad to see he didn't die and he came back into this movie like bigger and badder than ever. Yeah, so so like the first big action scene, Black Manta finds this new evil power that's locked away in ice, tells him all this knowledge and ancient secrets, and he's like, there's like a bit of a heist scene where he's trying to steal this fuel source from Atlantis, and he gets caught, and then the action breaks out. There's a chase scene, and I thought that was like one of the best scenes of the movie. I mean, his eye beams coming from that that helmet, that was awesome. Yeah, the action was really good. Oh, so we have another Cyclops on our end. <laughs> yeah, that, that scene was awesome. And to the points we've been referencing, I feel like all the action throughout the effects, the way the fight scenes play out, I also think were really good. And I, I feel the fight scenes also gave some twists as well to like unlocking new powers like midway through the fight scene or it actually damaging one of the key characters and then that person's out for a little bit so like it's not like your standard fight where it's like you kind of know what the outcome is going to be I thought that that was cool that they kind of kept some, some cliffhangers with the fight scenes yeah and so th- that fight scene is also where manta takes out queen mira for basically the rest of the movie i mean she does reappear later 
I actually thought they were going to kill her off. I was like, oh, wow, this is what they do with Amber yeah. Heard. <laughs> like, here she goes. But I was kind of glad they didn't kill her off, at least from an Aquaman story standpoint, is what I'm saying. I don't think that's fair to, to Queen Manta. Yeah, Queen Manta, Queen Mira. <laughs> Mira, Queen Mira. Okay, we're going to edit this out. I'm, I'm leaving that in. That's not going anywhere. <laughs> we're we're going to edit this out. <laughs> Queen Mira. But yeah, so she actually only had 20 minutes of screen time, which in a two-hour, four-minute movie, is a little less than a seventh of the whole movie. I'm surprised that Ember had made it into Aquaman 2. Is there anyone from Aquaman 1 that did not make it in Aquaman 2? There was one notable omission in Willem Dafoe. Apparently, he died in between the filming of 1 and 2. His character, not the actor. He just got randomly cut out. Does anyone know why? Was there some background story or something going on, or he just didn't want to do the second movie? I have no idea. The reasoning that he gave was pretty good. He died in essentially what Manta caused off screen. Because there were a few time skips in the movie, like six months ahead. But no, I, I just always assumed that Willem Dafoe had other obligations, couldn't be in the yeah, picture. I mean, that is so disappointing because he is actually one of my favorite characters. And like, he played Norman Osborn yeah. you know, in Spider-Man. I think he's such a... I mean, to be honest, he was a villain, but he can be such a great villain, definitely. But, like, I like his character in Aquaman of being, like, that... Advisor um, kind advisor. of thing. Yeah, I like that, too, in Aquaman 1. And I just looked it up, and it says, the real-world reason for why William Defoe didn't return in Aquaman was his schedule didn't align with the Aquaman sequel's production. <laughs> that just seems like a cop-out, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. Oh, he didn't believe in the storyline. That's said, true. I'm yeah, out. Could be. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, maybe he like saw the writing on the wall. was like, forget this. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I'm going to go back to Green Goblin. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't want to be attached to that that stinky problem. Something smelt fishy to him. <laughs> exactly. You were picking up what I was putting yeah. down. So then, um, so all of that within, you know, the, the synopsis of the movie, that was really just the exposition. To get into like the meat of it, Aquaman needed to break out his brother Orm, Ocean Master, from prison. He's been, you know, he's getting life in prison. So they go do that. Another heist scene, so to speak. Uh, I thought that was pretty fun. And then the two of them have to go on, on a bit of an adventure to find Manta. Because now no one can find Manta. But we just know that we have to stop him. He's polluting uh, the entire planet by essentially just burning all of this fuel that Atlantis had in the past. Do you guys remember Lori what it was Calcum. called? Ori <laughs> Calcum. Yeah. And funny enough, so just as like a quick fun fact, Ori Calcum is always referenced with Atlantis references. Like I just finished watching Yu-Gi-Oh! the anime, and there's a season all about Atlantis, and like Ori Calcum was this evil I stuff. That. You remember that, I remember right? That too. It was like yeah. I'm going to use the seal of Ori Calcum. So it was kind of funny to see that come up in this movie again, and it was also like an evil substance. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, essentially in in this version, it was uh, it's a a big polluter, way worse than actual fossil fuels, and it, it makes greenhouse gases go up not in decades or centuries, but in days. And if anyone's curious, Ori Calcum in Plato's stories is actually a rare metal that can be found in Atlantis. It's what they're known for. Um, it's supposed to look similar to gold. I was going to ask, was it fuel or was it something else? Yeah. I, in the movie, though, they use it as fuel. But in fuel, Plato's story, yeah. it's it's gold, I think. OK, and then so we get back to our adventure and we finally find Manta on this uh, remote island, tropical island burning all these fuels and it's kind of like a volcano and it's spitting out smoke everywhere 
and we have to stop him. So it's Aquaman and Orm kind of on us like a not solo mission, but, you know, without any backup, they have to go and stop him. There's a few more action scenes there, but I have to say that I think the best one was earlier in the movie and the ending was kind of a letdown. The ending fight scene and even just how it played out where Manta resurrected the, I, I forget the name of like the, the king, but once he was resurrected, I feel like the king then took like a new pawn into play and like completely tossed Manta aside. I thought that that was disappointing and I didn't really feel like he had any redeeming point outside of once his possession was was done. Like he, he didn't really contribute much to the movie. Yeah, after that. I agree. And so that villain was uh, the brother of... Was it King Atlan? Was that his name from the first one? Where I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So it was his brother. You know, he was the the leader of the the seventh nation of Atlantis that you know no longer exists. And so that's how that story works. But you're right. Yeah. They kind it kind of pushes Manta off to the side, and then but we don't we never even get that big bad guy. He kind of just he gets resurrected. And then I thought that could have been a redeeming factor if they let that play out for like five minutes. Just let the big bad guy come and then like let that fight yeah, actually see his powers. Yeah. yeah, it was like, here I come. Psych. <laughs> see you later. Yeah, And then it gets stabbed yeah. with the trident. Exactly. And honestly, it's the same problem that I had with the flash. If you didn't see that one. I'll give you a second to pause. But in the flash, kind of the same thing. Like we get our big bad villain right at the end of the movie. And as soon as he's revealed, gets disintegrated in time like within 30 seconds of him showing up it's just oh, like okay why even show them you guys are not selling me on this movie i mean it is what it is <laughs> gotta call it what it is right yeah it is what it is <laughs> that's interesting though nick I, I forgot about that with the flash like it's this big buildup of a villain and then they don't really have much screen time and then that's it so it's like what was the point of the buildup you know it's exactly what it felt like and sad to say but that was the final installment in the dceu that was it now you guys have seen it. What do you? What did you guys think in terms of how it did overall? Because none of you guys sound like you are. Even Nick, you were the super positive one, and that's even at best. I would give that a a, a good rating. So well, I said um, I was the most positive. I didn't say it was great. <laughs> that's that is fair. So what would you guys rate it as from a scale from one to ten? Ten being like, all right, you should definitely see it. It has all the elements we would want to see in a superhero movie. What would you give it? I kind of feel like for me, it's a five. It's very action packed. And if you're bored and just want to watch a superhero movie, yeah, it's fine to watch. Like it's entertaining, but there's no cohesion to it. There's no larger story at play. Didn't really connect back to the DCEU to me. It didn't. There was no, I, I don't know, like purpose. How did you guys feel? Yeah, I would agree with that. I was going to give it a six. So kind of right in line with that. It lacked overall story development. Like there were some shining moments, but then the lead up to the villain was a huge letdown. Even like the co like the comedic parts of it felt forced. And I yeah. felt, yeah, it, it was trying to go with some serious elements and then and then throw in some funny elements, too. And then it started really leaning heavily towards the funny and then back to the serious like, I feel like you got to pick one, kind of. Yeah. Or... It reminded me of, like, wannabe Thor Ragnarok with, like, the jokes a little bit, except Thor Ragnarok's amazing and actually funny. <laughs> it's just, like, yeah. trying to mimic mm -hmm. that a little bit. 
That's the I didn't think I the got. humor was that funny. Yeah, yeah like even, the humor in this one wasn't that funny. Yeah, I mean, there were some funny parts for sure. But then there were some parts where it's like, what is going on? And things didn't really make sense. Or like someone gets saved out of nowhere. Like, I don't know, that one scene when Aquaman calls all the whales and all of them are like, the ship like blows up from telekinesis. I was like, what is going on? That was silly. But honestly, I think that was needed like we we don't get a lot of like his actual superpowers besides that's that he true. can breathe underwater so that was cool yeah you don't see too much of his superpower so it was good like they finally brought in the part that he communicates with animals but i was also like uh <laughs> story writing here like let's yeah and you know what that reminds me they, power. <laughs> they foreshadowed that pretty well because in the beginning of the movie when he's with his child and his father you know he finds out that his child can also speak to the fish and he's like oh my god I'm so this is so awesome I get to share this amazing thing with with you know I have someone else in my life that can do this that's true they did bring and, it full circle yeah at the time I thought that was just kind of like a throwaway thing like a you know something nice for you know fathers but yeah it's good foreshadowing they did it in um the first Aquaman too, they did where in the beginning scene, you see young Aquaman and he's at the aquarium and all the fish start gathering around him. And then he uses his abilities later in the first movie to help save him when he calls all the fish of the ocean. They do a good job with redeeming themselves. And I like how they bring that full circle in the movie. There was one line I think we all really loved. Do you guys remember what it was? It was when Aquaman and Orm were walking through the jungle. I didn't write it down, but I- did any of you guys remember what it was? Yeah, he called his brother Loki or something. He's like, okay, Loki. So kind of making like funny reference to just like the the evil brother trying to step in. Yeah, yeah. And then they made a reference to Harry Potter where he's like, oh, you just got out of Azkaban? <laughs> yes, that was it. That was perfect. I couldn't remember the whole I, line. I love that. I thought those were really funny references. So, so the, that was a funny part in the movie for sure. But besides that, mm, kid or miss. Going back to what I said when I was joking about the movie being similar to Ragnarok and and then Max, you just mentioned Loki. What's interesting, the more I'm thinking about it, this movie really did have a lot of parallels with the Thor franchise within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because like, you know, Thor and Loki, they're brothers and and Loki was evil and then he starts to become good and working with Thor. So I did find them trying to parallel there a little bit. Which one was more funny? Like definitely Thor. Yeah, Ragnarok takes the cake. Okay. I so I think I was originally gonna say a seven out of ten, but I'm gonna say six and a half. I, I do There's think, no halves here. Yeah, there's it, no halves. If we're having yeah, ten it, system, <laughs> you do oh halves and fives. So you, half you guys are killing me. All right, you know what? Then I'm gonna stick with my guns. It's a seven. You know what? Because I think <laughs> there you go. If you ignore if you ignore all the the outside influence and you just watch the movie for what it is and you don't uh, go into it hoping like, oh, I hope these characters continue in the next movie because they they're not. That's it. This is the end of the franchise. Um, then I, you know I think it's it's a typical popcorn flick enjoyable some action scenes and you know that's it and apparently some of us enjoy our popcorn way too much because they probably focus more on that than the actual movie i mean you know when you buy popcorn it's done before the movie even starts so i'll still stand by my statement the popcorn was the best part of that experience funny enough though with the movies on rotten tomatoes aquaman one has a 66 percent and aquaman the lost kingdom aquaman 2 has a 35 percent. so it's like now, is that critic worse. score or audience score? Uh, so that's critic score. But then what's so you kind of beat me to the punchline here. But what's odd is the audience score on the second movie is 81 percent. 
compared to Aquaman 1, which is 72%. So apparently the audience scores better with Aquaman 2 than 1, which I find completely wrong. No, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but it does seem a little odd. But I think it, it speaks to what I was saying in that, like, if you just go into it, you know, movie for movie and you ignore everything else, like, it wasn't that bad, really. It was okay. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it was an entertaining film. Yeah. As every action movie. With that being the end of the DCEU, you know, let's let's talk about that real quick. Personally, I thought it started out really, really strong. Man of Steel came out in 2013, um, and I think it was a at first slow decline, a couple peaks and valleys, and then just dropped off a cliff. Yeah, I thought the first like five year run was really strong. You had Man of Steel, even Batman vs Superman, Wonder Woman. Suicide Squad, Aquaman, Justice League, like I thought all of those were very promising. And then yeah, after that it just it just fell off a little bit. Yeah, I I, I don't I, I'm I'm kinda happy that the DCEU ended. I feel like it was time and yeah, o- overall the the direction I just think was getting a bit lost. Yeah, I mean I think Birds of Prey started the like the serious, you know, off a cliff uh for the DCEU. You know, Wonder Woman 1984 was not very good, which is a shame because, like, the original Wonder Woman was, but, I thought, great. Yeah, Wonder Woman was, that was probably my favorite film out of the CU, for sure. Yeah, oh, so speaking of, so that's, so that's your favorite. Max, what's, uh, what's your favorite from the uh, DCU? I would probably have to go with Man of Steel. It was the first installment of the DCEU, and I thought the overall story was awesome like they did a great job starting off giving context as to what happened on krypton and then giving some backstory of kal-el and how he grew up and losing his father and developing into superman still playing you know the dual personality uh you know throughout his life growing up as a kid i thought those flashbacks were really awesome and then you know even the the actual like progression into the action where general zod comes back I, I thought it was great. It felt like a serious movie, which really worked. I was hoping that the rest of the uh, DCEU would would follow that route because I feel like that's what works very well for DC Comics. It's it's funny that you mentioned that because I I do think that they did follow it with Wonder Woman, right, Andre? I think that they had that yeah. same sort of serious tone. And- it's it's interesting because it feels like they were heading towards like more of the MCU approach of like giving a little bit more depth into their characters, and then it kind of yeah. went. But it was like they're trying to figure that out versus the action part. Maybe that's I think if one thing is consistent from all the feedback that we've talked about is like they're great about the action pack sort of films but maybe they're lacking on the like characters Overall and getting some story characters line. yeah in the storyline yeah. character development sure see on that point though i thought man of steel's storyline was great like i walked out of that movie being like that was one of my favorite superhero movies of all time like the fight scenes delivered like the the fight with zod um even the uh the female general i don't know how to pronounce her name i think it's fiora or something like when she had screen time you were like on the edge of your seat you're like like whoa like what are what are her abilities and like the the two-on-one fight scene midway through the movie i thought was epic the end fight scene, just like the overall destruction it was causing. And then Superman like really being like pinned up and like needing to 
um, you know, be able to defeat General Zod. Like I thought the whole I thought the whole development of that was was so epic. And then yeah, maybe as it was continuing to go throughout the DCEU, they took a step away from that. And I don't I don't know why, but yeah, yeah. I th- I think that's a really good parallel or parable. I forget what works here, but uh, for Shazam: Fury of the Gods, because instead of being at the edge of your seat, you were in the back of your seat, falling asleep the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, pr- pretty much. <laughs> Oh, it, it flip-flopped. It's like every single one had a different... Yeah, every single one had a different approach. Uh, but what about you, Enzo? What was your favorite movie of the DCEU? So, ironically enough, uh, I know we spent the entire first half of this podcast just completely bashing apart Aquaman 2, but I love Aquaman 1. I thought they did a really good job with his coming-of-age story or coming-of-superhero and his powers. I... Loved the action scenes, the villains, him kind of coming full circle at the end and redeeming himself a few times with some of his flaws and his maybe bad choices in the beginning of the movie. Just overall, his powers, I think, are so cool just to be able to explore like the depths of the ocean and communicate with animals and stuff. They really explore the mystery you know, of it all, so to speak. Yes, I think that's exactly. what we all have in common. We all like movies where we're getting to learn about these characters. And it seems like once we know these characters, they don't give us anything new, anything interesting. The one thing I'll add here is, yes, the characters, but also the worlds that they are a part of. Learning about Atlantis, seeing it, that part is also cool. Learning a little bit about like the history, how it's run, and some of the other movies as well in the DCEU really brought that to life as well. And I thought that that was like a huge strong point for these movies. Yeah, that's actually a good segue into, so my favorite was Justice League, but specifically the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, the way it was, you know, supposed to be seen. And I mean, he really goes into how the world is affected by the death of Superman in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, what the world is like without him and how it suffers, how it's worse off without him. And then it, it gives you like really great action scenes. I mean, it's, it's serious. It has its funny moments. But those moments come from the Flash. They don't come from everyone. You know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, when, when, when someone breaks a serious moment and it's the Flash, you go, oh, well, he, he's just the class clown. So that makes sense. It doesn't feel like it's taking you out of it. Yeah. I thought what the Justice League had going for it, too, was the development of the team, like recruiting the members, some of them being hesitant to even join. I thought that was really cool as well. And, and yeah, the Zack Snyder cut spent so much time going into all those elements. Yeah, that's right. Cyborg didn't want to join the team at first. I love that that aspect of it. That was probably my favorite part of like building a team, and because I think you see that a lot with across Marvel, and like because it's never like, oh, here's a team that's always been there. It's the dynamics of like those characters. I think plays a big part in that. Yeah, exactly. And it's a shame. I'm I'm looking at this list again, and I'm seeing like Black Adam and the Flash. And we've, you know, we've talked negatively about them specifically and the fact just they came in the second half of the DCEU. I was really looking forward to those movies and they supremely disappointed. Yeah, the back half just completely fell off, like you said. And I don't really know what the turning point was, but it's unfortunate because it introduced a lot of people's favorite characters, right? For the first time on screen, like that was the first Shazam movie, first Black Adam, first Flash, even Blue Beetle. Like those were the first times these characters were getting introduced. Yeah, and I really like the actor for Blue Beetle, uh, Zolo Marduena. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but kid from Karate Kid, or not Karate Kid, uh, Cobra Kai. He was really good, I thought. Um, just yeah, he was the good. The movie wasn't good. Yeah. All right, so I mean, that that's the end of the book on that one. We at least have the 
DCU to look forward to. And we have James Gunn, who's going to be shepherding that. James Gunn, who was the director of all three Guardians of the Galaxy movies over at Marvel Studios. Great movies. Yeah, all great movies. But he did Suicide Squad as well, right? Correct. So he did The Suicide Squad. And that's the second one, right? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Very poor naming convention, but that is the second Suicide Squad movie. I think it did a little bit better than the first one. To be honest, though, I didn't really like either of them. But, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, at least, was very good. Guardians had such a different feel, those movies, compared to the Marvel movies. I feel like James Gunn has a very unique approach. And I, I love the Guardians movies, so it's not a bad approach by any means. They just feel like, I don't I don't know how to put my finger on it. Like They're, a little they're bit, original. Yeah. I would say they're eccentric. Eccentric. Yeah, I like that. Like it's a it's a different approach. It's not your typical coming of age movie or story. It's a little bit more uh, sarcastic, a little bit more brute, I guess. Is I, don't, I can't really put the word to it, but I definitely like his approach to storytelling. Yeah, I'm going to compare it to Marvel or X-Men. Obviously, why not? On Marvel side, you focus more on the powers and the diversity of the powers and the people and what they bring but then on this on his side you're focusing more on the personality of the characters and like yeah, that's they're a really good point yeah them being quirky in a way yeah that's true like he celebrates their quirkiness which i really like that's humor done right i feel like there were so many laugh out loud moments in guardians of the galaxy and all three of them yeah for sure yeah and does a great job with the music tracks all of them make sense i think But the first movie of the DCU is actually going to be directed by James Gunn. So, yes, he's the overall shepherd of all of the movies, but he's physically directing Superman Legacy, which comes out in 2025. So we actually have a whole year off from any DCU movies or DC movies in general. Good. Maybe they'll give him time to actually put out really good content. Yeah, (laughs) we need a break from DC. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I'm, I am hanging on the edge of my seat sometimes where they casted Superman and Lois. I know that one of the Green Lanterns, uh, Guy Gardner, is going to be in the movie in some, I don't know if it's like a short role or a very big role, but uh, Nathan Fillion, the uh, TV actor, uh, Firefly, if you guys have seen that, is going to be in it as Guy Gardner. I mean, I think the, I'm actually curious on how Lois Lane is going to come out because I feel like over time with Lois Lane as a character, you get like the very like, I guess I would say punchy sort of character. And like she gets, she's a little bit more feisty. She gets stuff done. Yeah, she's involved. Yeah. And then there, and then sometimes you get like a little bit more like damsel in distress kind of Lois Lane. So I'm curious how they're going to portray her, at, portray her as this time around. But I know the, um, it's Rachel, I forgot how to say her last name. She's done uh, Rachel Posner in House of Cards. And she's also played the main character in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So I think she would be a good character for that. Like she can bring Rachel Brosnahan, I think is how you say it, by the way. Oh, cool. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to remember that, but sure. (laughs) But yeah, so I think she will actually bring that feistiness, that a little bit more stronger sort of trait as a character. Yeah, and and I think James Gunn will direct her that way. I I think that's the direction that it's going in. And I I think Lois Lane deserves that. She's she's independent. She's strong. I mean, she's just a great character. She's not just like the damsel in distress. I don't think she's ever been. Well, 
maybe back in the 40s. I don't know. But ever since I was watching Superman stuff, she's always been like the get stuff done girl. Are you trying to call me old? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the 40s. <laughs> I also think the casting for Clark Kent will be good as well. David Cornsweet, I think is how you say his name. But yeah. I don't know if you guys saw like recent pictures or leaks or whatnot. A lot of feedback was given that he was a little too thin to play Superman. And he's like, okay, bet. And just completely buffed up over the last year. Like I saw a picture of him. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's jacked all of a sudden. So I think he's really trying to adopt the whole persona of Superman versus Clark Kent, but still having those Clark Kent elements. See, I, so I, I haven't seen those photos. I'll have to look at them later. But it, now that we're basically mentioning the whole cast, I, I have to mention Nicholas Holt playing Lex Luthor. Nicholas Holt, who... Uh, among many roles, I'm sure, has played uh, the Beast in the X-Men uh, First Class like series of movies. He's going to be Lex Luthor. I, I, I'm having a hard time picturing him bald, but I think he's a really yeah, good actor. Same. So He is a really good actor, but yeah, to your point, curious to see how they they play his character with yeah, Lex Luthor. Yeah, and I think it's a better casting than Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, who I also like as an actor. I just didn't see him playing Lex. I couldn't take him seriously. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I, I couldn't. Yeah, I, I do feel like this is for Superman Legacy. I feel like the casting is really strong. So, I'm sorry when I think of when I think of Superman, I can only think of the WB11 series of like Superman and Lois Lane um, and like Smallville. Smallville, yeah, that's the only thing I could think about. Like, so every time you guys are talking Great about show. the characters, I'm like, I'm like, wait, no, that's not it. That's, that's not who it was. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, I feel like we had a lot more Lana Lang in Smallville than we did Lois Lane, but great show. Yeah. That's the problem with so many adaptations of some of these superheroes. You, you have to go in with an open mind to a new cast, how they are going to portray the characters, etc. Something that is really interesting with James Gunn moving over to DC that I'm kind of hoping for is Kevin Feige, in my opinion, did, does a really good job with the movies in Marvel being very realistic. Um, when you watch the movies, it's almost like, wow, like this could happen in real life, even though it's super sci fi and like in another galaxy. But the way they approach them, it just feels down to earth, especially when you think back to like the first Iron Man. And if you watch that movie, it's all about war and, and within the world, like the earth. And I don't know, I just feel like with DC, they feel very Hollywood, to my opinion, like they just feel kind of a little bit too unrealistic and it takes me out of the moment when i watch them what do you guys think wonder woman kind of captured a little bit of that realism right because it was all based around world war one yeah okay but to your point it's not consistent throughout all the films of the ecu yeah that was probably one of the biggest things that stood out to me when i was watching this i was like this just feels like it could never happen where when I watch Marvel movies, it's like I'm so engrossed in what's happening, I almost forget that it's fake sometimes. Yeah, well, part of that problem is that there there isn't an overarching factor like Kevin Feige in the DCEU. It kind of was Zack Snyder uh, for the first half of it, and I think that probably is why we all like those movies a lot more than the second half of the DCEU slate. That makes but, sense. Yeah, having James Gunn be in charge, yeah, I think that's going to be a, a boon. Yeah, I hope there's better cohesion moving forward with DCU. So I, I think what I'm getting out of this is that we're actually all really looking forward to this, this like shift, paradigm shift. Yeah, totally. We're ready, it, it, we're ready it's for It's under it. new direction. Yeah, we're ready for it. It's under new direction. Great casting. And they got to come out with a bang, right? So 
let's let's see how they do. Well, that brings us to the part of the show where we talk about all the news going on in our world that we didn't get a chance to talk to you about. Uh, and I'm going to start it off in the video game sphere. Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, dropping January 18th on all platforms. Uh, it was a personal favorite of mine, this series back in the day. So I'm looking forward to this one. We've also got the winter 2024 anime season is pretty much now in full swing. We didn't get a lot of like sequels that everyone was looking forward to in this season. But I think a few notables have emerged. I'm hearing some good things about solo leveling that's available on Crunchyroll. And another one that people are going crazy about is uh, Delicious in Dungeon uh, that's available on Netflix. So a little bit for everyone. I'm a little bit hungry right now. So I, like all these titles are just like making me feel even hungrier. <laughs> <laughs> Crunchyroll, Delicious. Yeah, it's lunchtime. Uh, let's round it out with some movie news. Disney has decided to give a theatrical release to all of the Pixar movies that went straight to Disney Plus during the pandemic. Uh, we've got Soul, which came out on January 12th. Turning Red is getting its red carpet premiere February 9th. And Luca gets its turn March 22nd. It's kind of cool they're doing that. These movies deserve their time. I agree. Pixar does a really good job. They spend a lot of money ever since Toy Story. We all love them, so we want to see them on the big screen. Yeah. So if you want to see more of that, go support them. Go buy a ticket. Go watch. And lastly, wanted to fill you guys in on how our poll went or how your poll went. You guys voted on which superpower you guys wanted from the X-Men universe. Telepathy just barely won with 33%, followed by teleportation at 27%, and shape-shifting and magnetism. Last place, 20%. I thought more of you guys would want to teleport everywhere. And with that, it's time to say sayonara, my friends. But never fear. We drop new episodes of Nerdia every Wednesday. And if you like us, why don't you give us a follow on Instagram and X, at Nerdia World. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. Share us with your friends. Till next time. Bye, guys. See you guys. Bye. Bye.